50-5-0. That is the number of wins for your Phoenix Suns, the best in the NBA, after they defeat the Portland Trailblazers by a score of 30-50. The number of seasons Al McCoy has called games for those Phoenix Suns, which was celebrated tonight in the arena and also on the broadcast, if by chance you weren't blacked out. Matthew, did you try to watch this game on ESPN? And if so, were you blacked out? I did, and I was scrambling for the remote. I was sitting there, you know, just laying down, relaxing. I had my computer ready for my notes, and all of a sudden, it's blacked out, dude. What am I supposed to do? Go to Bally Sports, and they actually had my back this time, dude. Usually, Bally Sports is Odd. the one messing up, right? Yes. Usually, it's Bally Sports, but they helped me out tonight. And plus, Skylar Diggins was on the uh, the broadcast tonight with EJ. A good dynamic duo right there, man. That is a fantastic broadcasting duo. I am disappointed I didn't get a chance to enjoy watching this game from their perspective. Still in Folsom, California, so I did have access to ESPN and their broadcast. And I saw plenty of people on Twitter displaying their frustration about the fact that the ESPN broadcast was blacked out. And I'll tell you this, it was a love fest for the Phoenix Suns from Richard Jefferson on this broadcast with him and Mike Breen going back and forth, talking about how successful the Suns have been. Richard Jefferson was saying things like this team could be a seven seed, even without Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they're so deep. They were talking to Richard Jefferson, who is a Phoenician and a Phoenix native. That's what Phoenician means. Mm. Was doing nothing but fanboying the entire broadcast. And I didn't know how to act, man. I didn't know how to feel that way. I'm like, hold on. No one ever gives us credit. (laughs) Is he supposed to talk about the? It's hard to talk about the Blazers right now. With that team on the court, what else are you supposed to talk about? So when we're left playing against the Blazers on national TV, it's going to be all about the Suns. And this is the first time we came on a pod after a national broadcast where we actually were praising them, right? I, I wouldn't crazy. even go far and say I even was praising you. them. I was just shocked. I like just I'm shocked. still okay. I, I don't know how to navigate my emotions because I'm used to bashing the national broadcast, especially when it's an ESPN broadcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm thankful that Richard Jefferson was kind to the Phoenix Suns and all of a sudden was fanboying all over Phoenix because the last time he called a game was prior to the Rams playing the Cardinals in the playoffs and he confessed and expressed his love for those Los Angeles Rams, despite being a Phoenix native. But mm-hmm. I'm okay with it now. I'm okay with it. The right. way that you the, guys the, are good the, now, huh? Yeah, me and, me and Richard right. Jefferson, we settled it. We went back and forth on Twitter. He didn't respond once, so I figured everything's yeah. okay. Uh, but again, a great win for the Phoenix Suns, a much-needed win for the Phoenix Suns, avoiding a three-game losing streak for the first time this season. And again... Finally, breaking on through to the other side of 50 wins. Let's go, Suns fans. So plenty to talk about on another edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. I'm John. He's Matthew. This is the Jam Session. And you, just by watching, are officially a jamster. 
So make sure, Jamsters, you subscribe, rate, and review. Give us a thumbs up if you happen to be watching on YouTube at any point, whether this be live or another time. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Do all that good stuff. Follow the show on Twitter at Suns Jam. You can follow me at Darth Void, and you can follow Matthew. I'm Matthew Lissy. On that note, Matthew, I have nothing but an Aquafina tonight. Mm, you know, you know what? I got your back tonight, dude. I got a quarter out of the fridge. Yes. And uh, I, you know, it's a little, I was gonna say it's a little embarrassing because I just realized I'm wearing the same shirt as last pod. So I hope this just makes up for that. Uh, Jamsters, so they'll, they'll have to look sorry about it. that. And and you're gonna have to get me on this one because you know what? Been working hard up here in Folsom for the past five weeks. Today was the first day we rel- welcomed residents into the community that uh, I assist with. All the technology works. I'm here helping out set, setting up printers and making sure the point of sale system works and everything worked out beautifully. And I'm like, you know what? I need a beer. And then I just didn't go get one. So Matthew's got this one. <laughs> He's right. going to crack it open. I hope you're Let cracking crack it open up boy. with us too. Beautiful sound. Let's talk about this 30-point victory for your Phoenix Sun. Yes, Jamsters, it was an interesting day for all of us as we found out prior to the Phoenix Suns tipping off at home against the Portland Trailblazers that they would be out or be without Devin Booker due to health and safety protocols. Which brings me to my first question for Matthew. That's the wrong drop. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I've got to ask, is the NBA stacking the odds against the Phoenix Suns, doing all they can to create some drama between the Suns and their darlings, John Morant and Steph Curry? You know, they might be because it's it's kind of it's a relief to me to listen to a Bill Simmons podcast today to where they're talking about the teams in the West and the teams that they want, they predict to be in the Western Conference in the finals. The Suns are still there. The Suns are still the best team in the league when healthy. You know, we went through a two-game uh, drought recently, and it sucked, even though we weren't healthy. And we kind of forget that, right? And even the national media still knows how good they are. So they could be, just because of how well Morant is playing, he still is back. Now he's back in the MVP chase. The drama's there for that. And whatever the hell the... <laughs> The Golden State Warriors are doing without Draymond Green, man. They need some help. But to have them battle maybe for that one seed would be a little bit more dramatic. But in the playoffs, if Draymond comes back and you have John Morant playing that way, these games are going to be awesome. They're going to be seven-game series, six-game series for sure. Of course, I'm being facetious by asking you that question. But it is interesting that... The darlings of the NBA, which is definitely the Warriors. We know that. And John Morant is quickly becoming highlight material. And the Western Conference is kind of a drama-less conference right now. There's plenty of drama in the Eastern Conference. You have James Harden. You have uh, Ben Simmons. You got the Brooklyn Nets, the Philadelphia 76ers. And then just kind of the smorgasbord of teams that are all within games of each other, going from first all the way down to eighth. 
Whereas in the Western Conference, you don't really see that. So it does feel weird, especially after watching the State of the Union address. And again, I don't want to get all political on everybody out there. I always watch it. I watch it Mm. every year. Do you? Yeah. So you watch this in SNL. You're the only one left watching SNL and State of the Union. <laughs> and the I'm, state- just, I'm joking. <laughs> facts. Facts. I watch, I watch SNL every weekend I, since like 93. I've all, I just, yeah. I always have. Um, but watching the State of the Union address, watching, you know, all of our, the people in the American government, the maskless, like, you know, it's almost like COVID, 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 Russia, Ukraine, and they hand off the baton mm. and, and you know, whatever to distract them, the, the America. I don't want to get into all of that stuff, but I haven't heard. I don't remember the last time I heard anybody in the NBA go down with health and safety protocols. And as funny as Devin Booker is, I don't know if what you, you saw, what he posted. I did. Yeah. He posted himself. He's always good. Watching the TV with a Corona mm-hmm. in front of him, you know, and just like, Again, it's interesting. I almost feel like, okay, the NBA sees that the Phoenix Suns are, with this win, are now up seven games on the Golden State Warriors because they lost to the Timberwolves last night. Yeah. And they're like, they're like God, we got to make some – we got to get this close. We're trying to get this close. And we just – okay, uh, book her out for a week. We can do that, right? Um, and it sucks. You know, again, clearly I'm being facetious. Health and safety above all. It's just kind of, you know, conspiracy theory, John. I almost started this podcast with uh, an aluminum foil hat on, but I didn't have time to get aluminum, uh, an aluminum foil hat nor a beer. So, yeah, but I, I just <laughs> thought, you know, again, obviously the Phoenix Suns navigating a game against a Portland Trailblazers team that has truly and utterly hit the reset button at the trade deadline. We're without their two all-star guards. And in doing so, we had an opportunity to see Landry Shamit start a game. But more importantly, we get to welcome back Campaign, a guy who doesn't have a drop on this podcast. Campaign, tell me what you saw from him tonight and how did he do filling in for not only Chris Paul, but the newest point guard, Devin Booker, who's out now for probably three games. You know, I was thinking, I'm like, what was Akira all of a sudden? I feel like he would have been out a couple games because the Suns always had that leisure of, you know, if there's an injured player, rest him a little extra, rest him a little extra, like a couple games, maybe a few weeks. Now that Booker was out, it's like, we got we to gotta get this win because you got the Heat, you got the Lakers, you got the, the Raptors coming up, you got the freaking Milwaukee Bucks on Sunday. Yeah. We have to get these wins while they're there against these crappier teams. But yes. even if we didn't have Cameron Payne, maybe we could have pulled out, but I felt more comfortable with him coming back. And you just, you forget the confidence he has kind of, right? When he comes back and he's 0 for 3 to start the game and he keeps shooting and then he makes this three finally. But it's good to have him back because you realize like what you miss from him off the bench. You miss that guy, the energy he has. The the guy that maybe would have won us a few games the last couple of games that we went on that skid. That's mm-hmm. the kind of guy he is. He'll he'll you'll see the difference between him and, and Holiday. And we'll talk about Holiday later, but absolutely he's our backup point guard to where you just you know he's for sure gonna make the right play most of the time. Once he gets into the groove of the game, he can lead that first team offense, he can help with the bench. But him with the first team offense was beautiful. And I think him coming back, he just it had to happen. I think he's been ready maybe for a couple games. Who knows? I know they showed him a shoot around, I think was it yesterday? 
So when mm-hmm. I saw that, I'm like, oh, he's just getting warmed up. He'll be back in a few games. And all of a sudden, the book news hit. And it's like, oh, he's got to come back now because we needed that energy. You just saw it. Like I mentioned before, the rebounding and all that. It's like, why can't they rebound? Is it because Chris Paul's not there to hold him accountable? I'm not saying Cameron Payne's that type of player. But he's a guy that definitely brings that energy to where players want to play hard for him. It's not like he's going to get upset. You're out of place. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. But the energy he brings them, they want to play hard for that guy to be the point the point guard leading them to a win tonight. Yeah, and you also get more organization with campaign. You get somebody who is clearly familiar with the system, having been with the Phoenix Suns since the Orlando bubble. And there's less helter-skelter on the court. And when there's less helter-skelter, everybody knows their role. They know where they need to be. And that can ultimately lead to more positive rebounding uh, metrics, if you will. And I think that, you know, campaign, it wasn't the greatest shooting night for him. He was two for eight from the field, one for three from deep. As you mentioned, he hit that one three. And he only had five points, but he had Mm -hmm. eight assists. And you felt like there was more organization, not to say that there is less organization with Devin Booker, but there was more role-based organization with him present. And I do think you're right. Had Devin Booker, I believe they announced earlier in the day before uh, Devin Booker going out with health and safety protocols that campaign was available to play tonight. But as you mentioned, once that news came down, it was clear he was going to play. Yeah. What I like about this game is the fact that because this team played as that, a true team in every facet of the game, campaign only had to play 20 minutes tonight. So as we mentioned, kind of ramping him back up and reinstituting him into this lineup, this is a perfect game for it to happen. And the team did exactly what they needed to do, play team basketball on their total number of field goals made, which was 40. They had a total of 32 assists, Matthew. They were sharing the ball and playing like a number seven seed, as Richard Jefferson said. Like they could they, they, they could take out the Lakers right now without Booker and without CP3. God, don't, don't say that to a Lakers fan. They'll lose their shit. They'd be way better than that Lakers team out there right now. So Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's because they play that team first basketball. And mm. one thing that I, I noted in looking at Uh, the statistics is campaign went out on January 22nd and that was 16 games ago for the Phoenix Suns in the games prior to him going out. And I know he wasn't present for all those games. He's missed time for various number of reasons and health and safety protocols and whatnot throughout the beginning of the season. But prior to him going out on January 22nd, the Phoenix Suns had the sixth best scoring Uh, bench in the entire league since then in the last 16 games that's dropped to 25th is that a hundred percent on campaign no there's way too many variables but it's an interesting statistic that does display his effect on this team and i think that we saw it again with the first team unit tonight uh, as well as the way that the other players responded including landry shamit and i see what sonia writes in the chat and she asks, does Shamit earn his drop back, Voida? Well, let me just find this real quick and tell you, no, he doesn't. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I was so scared. I was like, is it? Oh, no, no. You, again, you get man. nothing. 
22 minutes for Landry. He did get the start tonight. Four for 12 from the field, so 33%. Two for eight from deep. Math, whatever that is. Uh, 12 Mm -hmm. points, one assist. And what really pissed me off, after having a great first take to the rim in the first quarter, in the first three minutes, Landry had two fouls. We need you, Landry. Please step up. Will the real real Landry Shamit please step up? Please step up. Foul, foul, out of the game. So he did provide minutes that he looked productive. He started to get a little bit more comfortable. I think you could agree. And he's on his way to potentially earning back that drop. But no, even in a 30-point victory for the Phoenix Suns, Landry Shamit does not earn back his drop. Do you think he should get his drop back, Matthew? No, no. Even if he scored maybe like 18 points tonight or, you know, like 20 points, something like that. I don't think so. Not yet. It has to be consistent. It has to be something back to back. We're going through the spur without Booker, right? See what you can do in the next few games. Maybe. All right. Three games. If Let's say the next five games without Book. If he can just win the series three games out of five, then we'll maybe bring it back, right? I just knew I knew you wanted to pull it because it wasn't good enough. I think his his shot is a thing that still irritates me because it's never the same. Like I know he's he's sometimes releasing them at different angles, but mm-hmm. he seriously, and Eddie Johnson even says he has a really sweet release. He does, but like all the shots he missed, they look poor. They were shorthanded, they just did not look like a good release. It drives me nuts, but he had like the good little give and go with DA earlier, or I'm sorry, in the third quarter, that mm-hmm. looked great. It was right after his put-back dunk after um, it was a second-chance point, and he had the big dunk right after that. And then after that, he had to dump off the DA. So those are good back-to-back plays, and you just see the support from his team. So that's good. I mean, his team is just like they know what's going on. They know what people say about Shamit to where, you know, they have to support him. Anything he's doing, it's like, all right, we got you. You, you, you can – you can keep doing the, you can keep doing your shit on the court all right as long as they keep as long as those baskets go in we'll support you because you're gonna have to play a lot of minutes how many minutes did you actually play tonight was it only 22, 22? and yeah. even ej was saying just playing the full 48 who cares play him as much as you can and especially in a game like this i know he came out later in the game but i would like to see him still play in the fourth later on in the fourth i know he came out late uh, I think it was uh, Peyton that replaced him, but he just needs the minutes. He needs the reps. That's the only thing that he's going to help him get over whatever he's going through right now. And uh, the drop will come back. We just have to see better outings consistently. And I think everyone can agree. I think everyone just wants to drop back, right? They do want to see it, they but do. you can't. You got to wait. <laughs> you got to earn it. You got to earn it. And his 12 shots tied with DeAndre Ayton for the most taken by any member of the Suns. So he definitely was getting his shots up. And I I agree with you, Matthew. I would have liked to see him play a little bit more in that fourth quarter just to assist with rhythm. That's the one thing that that guy needs is he needs an opportunity to develop more rhythm. Uh, And you're right. He does have a sweet release, but his shot is very inconsistent. And it's funny. My dad gave me a call tonight because Whenever, you know, he, he has Dish Network. And my understanding is Dish Network does not carry Bally Sports Arizona. So anytime the Suns play on a national broadcast, I give my dad a call, let him know what time and what channel. It's a famous two words from Jack Voida. Hey, John, what time and what channel? You know, it's that in the Notre Dame games. Always wants to know those. So I told him when the game was on tonight, obviously the blackout. Uh, the mm-hmm. local blackout for some reason that ESPN did negated my dad from the ability to watch the game, but I gave him updates. And at the end, you know, I told him the guy who had the most points for the Phoenix Suns 
was Cam Johnson. Lights, Cameron, action. Cam Johnson, 20 points off of the bench. Uh, he contributed, and, and going back to his bench role, he was six for eight from the field, including four of five from deep. He added in four rebounds and four assists in only 24 minutes played. And the reason I bring up my dad is after you know, my, I told my dad, I go, Cam Johnson had 20 points tonight. And he goes, that's, he's like outside of, he calls him C Paul. He goes outside of, outside of C Paul and book that cam guy's my favorite guy. Yeah. And I go, is. I go, I go, why is that dad? <laughs> he goes, he's got the sweetest shot that I've, I've oh. seen in a long, long time. And you know what? I want to yeah. marry him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, get in line, dude. That's what I told him. Yeah, I go, oh, Matt, Matthew first, Matthew first. Oh. But we talk about Landry Shamit and his inconsistency in his shot. And there was one play on probably like the third three-pointer that Cam Johnson made where it was a fast break. He caught the ball and he kind of caught the ball behind himself. And he still just pulled trigger, bam, fire. I mean, just even catching the ball not in a position that is – in, in conducive of putting up a quality shot in a fast break, running to a spot and then catching it right away, like almost in full motion. Just beautiful mechanics, beautiful mechanics, four for five from deep. what did you see from your boy? Yeah, sweet. He's, he's right. Sweet shot for sure. And what I thought about tonight was his corner. I think it was from the corner you're talking about when he caught it. Yes. Quick release. Yep. Yeah. So his corner three is like the sweetest thing to watch whether he's in motion or not, I think it's like the third best shot to watch behind Booker and Chris Paul's mid-range game, right? Mm -hmm. It's just absolutely beautiful. And Cameron Johnson, he just doesn't give a fuck at all. Like, <laughs> he does not care. Like, he does, he just, he's the coolest guy out there. I The feelings I have inside when I watch him, it's kind of like you go through the yearbooks and you're just like circling people's and big X's on people's heads. You know, I just have a big heart next to his or over his head, and I have a shrine. For, I'm building a shrine of this dude. I don't know what else to do to to pour my love out there anymore for him because I just I love his attitude still. I I love that. Just after every shot, he's just see. I'm I'm like breaking down right now, it's man. Just, I just 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 I don't breathe. know. It's, it's gonna just, be okay. Pure joy, pure joy. Yes, and he can run the offense out there with the second unit. Um, Shamit, two fouls. Get the fuck out of there. Put Camp Johnson in the game, and I was so excited for him to come in that early because I just I I was like, oh yeah, he's not starting tonight. Oh, three minutes in, here he comes. <laughs> here he he's is. just like, oh, this is my job, and he's gonna be an all star. And we're gonna say the same stuff all year long going into the playoffs for this guy. Well, and it makes sense that we love Cameron Johnson as much as we do, considering the fact that he was the pick that the Phoenix Suns made, and everybody immediately trashed. And don't get me wrong, Suns I mean, fans. I didn't know who he was. No, we didn't trash the pick. We just did the same thing we did when the Suns drafted Jalen Smith. We kind of moved back. We looked at each other. And we go, who? You know. But people on the national yeah. on the national level and even on the local level said the Suns made a horrible pick with that Cam Johnson pick. And to see him do what he's done in the three years he's been a member of this team. He's kind of like ours. He he's the guy that nobody wanted and everyone made fun of, and like he's turned into the prom king. And we're just proud that he's our friend and we stuck. He through does him. look like a prom. That, he, he does is a prom king. Man. He is the prom king. That should he be his nickname, like the prom king. You know, Cam Johnson, because that's what he's become. And we've watched it before our eyes. We root for him, and 
again, it's due to his mechanics. It's due to his attitude. Another thing that my father noticed when he we were talking about the Suns was the fact that he just puts his head down and runs back on the other side of the court. And, you know, there's not, there's nothing wrong with hot dogging and enjoying the sport. No, but at the same time, I, I mentioned this on the last podcast, when you see like Donovan Mitchell doing it in the second quarter, it's like, come on, man. Like, it's okay to yell and just scream and people, you know, yeah. Do it in the fourth when it's a, it's a heavily weighted shot. Not when you like, you, you got the team within seven, you know, three pointer within seven. Now it's like, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. Like Cam Johnson <laughs> puts his head down. Did you happen to see the lemonade stand? Yeah. Yeah. And that How was, cool uh, was that? That was a cure for Cam. That was awesome. I actually think in really quick with Cameron Johnson, the the way he acts, I think it's because he, he was a nobody like coming out, right? Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, they they were known the big trade with Mikhail Bridges. Everyone knows who he is. Every, big high hopes. Cameron Johnson has to keep his head down, play and have like the kind of the same emotion Chris Paul has that on the court where every play matters. He holds himself accountable, his teammates accountable. That's just the way he has to be. Uh, the limits the lemonade stand is awesome. I just you go through the countless things that happened the last two years with this team, and it's just all of it's hilarious. All of it's so goofy. And today I was even thinking about McGee wearing sunglasses during the game. Like, what the what the yeah. fuck is this team? Like I everything they that. do is just so hilarious. It's not easy. like McGee, you would think is gonna be the goofiest, the funnest guy to watch on the court, off the court, maybe. But as a team, Cameron Payne shows up, Chris Paul shows up, yep. everyone's out there having a good time. Wayne I mean, Wright shows up. Yeah, you know, with people waiting like five hours to get eliminated yeah. from home. I, it's crazy. This this valley, the support is there for sure for this team. Absolutely. And, you know, again, his twin, if you will. The warden is the other guy. My dad is just like, and I love that Mikhail Bridges guy. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. the twins. And I explained to him what the twins were. Because, again, my dad doesn't watch base basketball with regularity. He kind of only sees the Suns when they're on that national TV spotlight. And we were talking about the twins a little bit. And, you know, Cam Johnson, or I'm sorry, Mikhail Bridges this evening, uh, six for nine from the field, 15 points. And I, I've said this when CP3 went down. And it's even more important with Devin Booker out for probably three games. My guess is he'll miss that Bucks game. Uh, the Suns are going to go as the Twins go. And tonight they combined for 12 for 17 from the field and six for 10 from deep for 35 total points. Uh, it's not overpowering, but you take into account the fact that neither of them had a play in the fourth quarter. They're the catalyst that took this Phoenix Suns team, allowed them to score 14 more points than the Portland Trailblazers did in the second quarter and eight more points than the Portland Trailblazers did in the third in the third quarter and ultimately put the Suns up high enough to where they didn't need to come back. And that's what's going to have to continue to happen for the Suns to be successful even when Devin Booker comes back from health and safety protocols with CP3 out, this team will go as both Cameron Johnson and Mikael Bridges go. They are unbelievably important wing players. Obviously, DeAndre Ayton, and we'll talk about him momentarily, will be a factor. But I truly believe mm -hmm. that you it, you can look at a win and a loss by the Phoenix Suns and, and clearly look at the impact that campaign and Mikael Bridges had on that game. Yeah, Mikael, he... The the ball when he has it down in the low post, I feel like he handles it so much better than what DA does down there, right? I mean, of course, 
he's longer down there. I mean, his mismatches, the guy he's usually up against down there might be like a shooting guard, a wing defender, but the way he handles the ball, the way he gets a shot up, it's more effective than what DA does down there. I'm not I'm not talking about the the little DA, the, the little turnaround jump shot. You know, his little mid-range is perfect DA. But yeah. I'm just saying the way he handles himself around the rim, and DA will get there eventually where he can make plays. But Mikhail just already is that way. And I love how you brought up the point where, you know, him and Cameron Johnson, they they keep the Suns in the game, they'll bring them back. And usually, like in this game, I was looking out for the for the times when the offense was in a slump. And if they were going to make dopey headed plays where like even Jay Crowder shoots a long range air ball three and then the next play turns it over, like things like that. And they're up by 15, but I'm like, nope, this is what happens. Like you guys got to play smart. But then Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson really have their back on that because they just took over offensively. And they're like, we can get this team back on track. And that included DAs in little spurts, but it was mainly just those two guys making sure the offense didn't get out of sync. You know, there was little tiny slumps here or there, but then they picked it back up and they made sure the Suns didn't fall to like, you know, giving up a 10 run or 10, 10 point run or something like that. You know what I mean? Like things that would happen the last two games where they would lose the game because of that. And it's just holding each other accountable. And that's what they did. Both those guys made sure they were like the leaders of the team tonight. Now you're, you're spot on with that observation. And that's really what killed this team against the jazz is the fact that in the second quarter, when we had a lead and even against the Pelicans in the prior game, we would give up 11, two runs because the team offensively couldn't stay focused while allowing the opposition to score on the other end defense yeah. led to offense for the opposition, 11, two run happened like that. And then the Suns had dug themselves into a hole large enough that they couldn't ultimately overcome. And that's why they lost those two games tonight. That didn't happen tonight. You started to see the Portland trailblazers, at the beginning of the second quarter, have a little pep to their step. And the Suns decided to go on a three-point barrage. I believe they went five for 11 from deep in the second quarter. And that's what negated those little runs that Portland was trying. Portland would score four points, three-pointer. They'd score to another three. And it was just kind of that continual thing that built that lead. And to your point, Matthew, it was led by McHale and uh, Cameron Johnson. Cam was one for one from deep. Mikhail was one for two. And shout out to Jay Crowder. He was two for two from deep in the second quarter. And he hit the two threes that I really feel expanded that lead and, and ultimately made it just out of reach. But again, it was a team effort to negate the Portland Trailblazers from having a chance to come back in any capacity in this game. And, and you know, truth be told, if I was to tell you that the Portland Trailblazers were starting Elijah Hughes, C.J. Ellaby, Drew Eubanks, Josh Hart, and Anthony Simons. The expectation would be a win. I don't know if I'd expect a 30-point win, but I'll tell you what. I would expect at least a 10-point win. And I think that's the most pleasing thing about what we saw this evening is when the Suns needed to get a, a, get a win after two consecutive losses. They did it, and they did so in a fantastic fashion without their All-Stars. These are the teams you're supposed to beat up on. This is what the Phoenix Suns do now, is they beat up on those teams. I believe they are 25-4 and or 25-5, and maybe 26-5, and against teams under 500. That's what you're supposed to do. We This was not a play-to-the-level-of-the-competition kind of game, and it was led by the wing play. It was led by... It, who, who am I kidding? Led by it was everybody, man. Everybody on this team contributed tonight. 
Yeah, and also Jay, like, he's so funny. Like, you know you're having a good time. Well, first of all, I want to point out, like, him getting to the line 7 of 9, right? Yeah. I mean, he, drawing it's fouls like early in the first quarter. Jeff Messias says it in the chat. He says, I like yeah. when boss man drives. What happens when you drive? You I get to the I line. Like it, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love anything he does just like McGee, but the best thing that he did tonight was we know we're going to win this game. When uh, the play doesn't really go his way, he picks up the ball going out of bounds and just hands it to a fan and just like leaves yes. the fan with the ball. I'm like, dude, Jay, God, I'm just that stuff's hilarious. I just know for sure the Suns are going to win those kind of games when he's just messing around having fun like that. <laughs> no, absolutely. And, you know, again, mm -hmm. it's it's interesting to see how this team is going to navigate their rotations, knowing that our wing our wing depth is solid right now. Okay, what's uh what's Coach Evan B call them? Wing stop, you know. Wing stop, yeah. Yes. Yep. So between Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, Tory Craig, Jay Crowder, uh, we have solid wing depth right now. The guard play obviously is hampered due to the fact that Devin Booker and CP3 are both not available. Hopefully, again, Booker will be back soon. But that being said, it was interesting to see that the Phoenix Suns started Shamit. Start a campaign, and Aaron Holiday was the first off the bench. Mm -hmm. How do you think that makes Alfred Payton feel? I mean, it was coming. I don't think there's any question to where Aaron Holiday is a guy of the energy. Even though tonight, I mean, he came out with the two turnovers in a row. He didn't look very good all game. I mean, no, he's kind of he like, had a rough one. It was really rough, and he's kind of been kind of rough, just like um, Tory Craig kind of lately. You know, he's just kind of been blah. He's kind of he's a step behind everything. Maybe he doesn't know the plays because EJ and then we're talking about. You know, you come on a new team, and you're a point guard. You have to know all the plays where everyone's supposed to be. Maybe that's it. But his passes were just way off tonight. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Peyton Peyton knows. I think out of anybody on that team, he knows his fate on this team as a third backup point guard right now. Um, actually, I'm sorry, fourth now. If Chris when Chris Paul comes back, so he'll be way back there. He won't even get any minutes. Actually, when he came back into the game tonight, I kind of forgot he was on the team. That's what the way it gets with the Suns team when they're playing so good. You just kind of forget that we did the same thing with Sticks sometimes in games where we're just like, oh yeah, Sticks is. He hasn't played for four games. I forgot he actually plays with this team. So that's the way that's the way Peyton is. And no disrespect to him. It's just like you have this guy here in Hall. You're trying to you're trying to basically fit in here to be the third point guard. And he can do some damage as long as he's comfortable. He slows it down. Give him some more time. And I think he'll be okay. It's just it's been a few rough outings as well, as of late. And it's just things he's doing that's just like, come on, man. You don't need to throw that little lazy pass out to the out. Uh, him and Juice are just throwing these shitty passes yeah. all over the place. Well, and it was a rough start for Holiday, but ultimately he played 27 yeah. minutes. He nine was three, <laughs> yeah, three for nine from the field, but nine assists. Yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't going to allow you to get away from from. Uh, well, that take that's the way he started. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I put yeah. down on my notes nine assists. Yes, nine assists. Uh, did look more comfortable as the game progressed, and it got me thinking, Matthew. Is there any chance? in this absence that the Suns would experiment with having Aaron Holiday start at point guard and having campaign start at the two. No. What do you think about that? I think they, you know what? Do what you did tonight. Just leave Shaman at the two. And I think Shaman needs that for his confidence. That's why I think they'll leave him in there. I mean, the only reason Cameron Johnson went to the bench is because the bench needed his ass. They need him to come off the bench um, but I don't, I don't know, man. I, I think it could probably work if Cameron Johnson's coming off the bench. So 
Did you happen to listen to the Timelines podcast when they were they had JJ Reddick on? No. So the timeline had JJ Reddick on last when week. When was this? Oh, last nice. week. Yeah. Really? Yeah. They had That's JJ awesome. Reddick on. It was fantastic. Uh, but one of the things that JJ Reddick mentioned on that podcast is the fact that him and Landry Shamit are good friends. They spent time playing together. And, you know, he said Landry's his boy. And one of the things that he noted is because uh, I, I don't know if it was Mike or Sam had asked him, do you think that Landry Shamit can fulfill the JJ Reddick role? Because that's what we've said before, right? Landry Shamit should be fulfilling the J.J. Reddick role. And J.J.'s response was, you got to understand that Landry Shamit, his entire career prior to playing in the NBA was a point guard. He's a ball handler. And you go back to his time at Wichita State, and it's nothing crazy. I mean, in his junior year, which is what's his last year at Wichita State, he averaged 14.9 points and 5.2 assists. So I also wonder if the Suns, would ever experiment with a little bit more of him utilizing the ball. So let's say we continue with this campaign and Landry Shamit starting lineup for the next two games against the Knicks and against the Bucks. Do we see a few sets in which Landry Shamit's bringing the ball up? Because without Chris Paul, we've seen Jay Crowder bring the ball up. We've seen Cam Johnson bring the ball up. And maybe allowing Landry Shamit to initiate the offense a little bit will allow him to get into rhythm. And why are we back talking about Landry Shamit? <laughs> I mean, because because of the injuries, because we don't know what to expect, and that's pretty awesome. They had him on the podcast. It looks like someone's going to the ringer, right? That timeline mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whenever they start doing individualized NBA team podcasts, they're the ones. Um, so I didn't know that really about Shaman, honestly. I mean, because yeah. the only thing I really think about when I think about Shaman playing for the Suns, it's just his mindset and how I feel like he just knows like everyone is putting so much pressure on him to to develop on this team and i think just him having the ball so much it would maybe help him but i didn't know he actually played point guard yeah so it's again it's something to think about he's six foot four he fits the mold of a point guard his shooting now granted in his entire career at wichita state he shot 43.7 percent from deep so again he's he's having an off year when it comes to three-point shooting but maybe again if we're looking for creative ways to engage him Maybe keep him out there during these next couple of days, as you mentioned, Matthew, build his confidence, but also allow him to, to initiate the offense and play a little bit more point guard and allow campaign to play a little two guard. Cause I feel like he could fill that role. He's a better shooter from deep and he also can slash and cut and get to the rim when he wants to. So maybe just, just throwing it out there, something food for thought, if you will, food, food for thought when it comes to Landry Shaman. And again, I've spent way too do long it. on him. So let's do it. So obviously with your two all-stars out, the third best player on the team, DeAndre Ayton, was going to have an opportunity to show up and to shine for the Phoenix Suns. Went 9 for 12 from the field in this game, had 8 total rebounds and 18 total points in only 25 minutes played. What did you see from DA tonight? You know, I think about DA a lot. And especially this last week during the day, it's a lot of negative thinking, honestly, between me and, you know, my DA thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I, man, when I watch this kind of game from him and someone actually said in the chat earlier, let me bring that up. Crazy Luigi said Aiden looked better than what his stats indicated for him. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. 18 and 8 
it didn't look like it. I mean, starting out the game, I thought, okay, this is going to be an 18 and eight game. This is going to be the typical DA. Let me get in a groove. But then all of a sudden, like he was calling things out on offense. It looked like he was throwing down the alley-oops with throwing them down straight to hell, dude. Like he was seriously throwing those things down so hard. And when that happens, you know, I get a little giggly and I'm just like, dude, damn it. Aiden, I was upset at you. You know what I mean? You come home and you're upset. Hold me back in. Yeah. (laughs) Just, yeah exactly man uh but there was a lot of negative things i was kind of seeing earlier but then he was just like i even wrote down in my in my notes like what is his diet i don't even know what i was thinking <laughs> like what am i what am i doing with this guy the relationship i have with him is just terrible and i apologize jamsters but in a third he just really seemed like he was kind of managing the offense getting the ball he should have got the ball more just like when jay crowder was throwing up nasty three-point shots that ball should go to da probably the alley-oop started again once um once McGee came in, they threw up an alley up to McGee. I'm like, where was that to DA? You get you already hit two of them. And then they went like a lot of possessions after that where they just seem to look his way. So that's the only negative that I saw from his teammates. So I'm like, get him more involved. But I like the energy from him in the third quarter, finishing the game. I thought it was there to where they I think they talked at halftime to give him the ball more. DA, we need more from you because that's what you have to do with him. You have to keep telling him, yeah. living the idea like, oh, hey, if you, if you have the energy, if you want to do it, you can. So he did. And I was giggling towards the end. I was, he's on the sideline, he's dancing around. Yes. And I'm like, God damn it, DA, you got me again. So I'm going to have good thoughts tomorrow until the next game. Yeah. And, and if he underperforms, you're like, damn it, I'm right back here. And you can't spell <laughs> exactly. damn it without DA. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree. So, it's interesting because I had posted on Twitter during the second quarter that DA looked lost out there on both sides of the court. Cause again, they were playing against drew Eubanks and he was getting anything he wanted at the rim. So DA appeared a little lost on defense against drew Eubanks. And maybe it's cause he didn't expect him to have the athleticism to put himself in the situation to where he could score as easily as he did, but he did. The other thing is, as you mentioned, he was calling plays out. And I, I think I misinterpreted that because some people said on Twitter, it's like, no, he's calling plays out. I'm like, I just saw him like standing in the middle of the court, turning, looking left, looking right, putting his hands up. And he might've kind of done one of these, you Mm -hmm. know, for those of you listening, I'm kind of, I have my hands up and I'm pointing with my thumb behind me, you know? So it looks like he's trying to set a screen, but he was looking like he wanted to set a pick. And because the whole floor was spread out and nobody was moving on the Phoenix Suns offense, he didn't know where to set the pick. So he looked lost <laughs> to me. I'm like, he, he's looking for somebody to throw a screen, but no one's trying yeah. to. He was chirping move out the there. Looked like. Yeah, it looked maybe. like he had a little bit of that Chris Paul chirping because I think he just had the pressure on him. Hey, you got to start running things out here, dude, if you want the ball. And I think he maybe he kind of did a little bit. I know that's it's the weirdest thing with this guy. I don't oh, know. Yeah. All right, we'll never fucking know. But. In the third quarter, five for five from the field, 10 points. He became the offensive firepower that we expected kind of throughout this game. Again, no Nurkic in this game. In fact, this is the game that I said when I was on the solar panel podcast that he'd score 40 in because it just made so much sense. And if we got three quarters of D.A. doing what he did in the third quarter, but of course, isn't that the D.A. story? If... We got this. He's always just a side piece, dude. He yeah. always will. Be. He always, he always will, be, will be. That's that's a good way I'll to never, look at. I'll never stop having a lot of hate and love for this guy. Well, and and that's because you hate the fact that he isn't the number one option on a night like tonight. He should have been the number one option. And yeah. here we are, 
at the end of a 30-point thrashing of the Blazers and we're saying DA could have done better. That's the DA story in a nutshell. Do we love him? Absolutely. Are we frustrated that he didn't go out there and put up a 30-point performance? Of course. Why? Because he easily could have. Mm-hmm. But it's just not DA's nature. So it be what it be, and we'll just we'll, we'll carry on. Uh, I do want to say that McGee was hosting a block party tonight, man. I mean, yeah. we, we we got a lot better energy from McGee. We mentioned it in the last pod that he just looked kind of discombobulated. Obviously, the size of the Utah Jazz had something to do with that discombobulation. But again, when you're playing the Portland Trailblazers and they have no depth at the big position, you're going to see a lot more of McGee. You're going to see a lot more of him being engaged. Nine total rebounds, five points, four block shots for JaVale McGee tonight. Back kind of to his goofy self. Uh, some people thought he shouldn't have been teed up on that play. What do you think, Matthew? The one where uh, the guy threw his leg around him? Yes, and hung on the rim a little extra. Um, I don't know. He gave the push towards the end. I, the push was it was fine. I think it was just a push like, hey, can you just fucking knock it off? It wasn't like, hey, I want to start something. It was just kind of yes. like, dude, a little, a little aggressive there. Just, you know, it's a push and look the other way and walk around. That's all mm-hmm. it was. So, no, absolutely not. I thought even the guy or whatever his name was hanging on the rim, he shouldn't <laughs> have got technical either. It was just a part of the game. They should just let it go. And, of course, they stopped play. And just really quick, too. You know, Please. to start the season, the fouls were looking good, right? There, There's more physical play. But now we're back to averaging the, basically the same amount of fouls per game in the NBA. Yep. So we're back to it. And here we go. A lot of stoppage. We're going to be complaining about the same shit we did last year. So thanks again. So Well, I, I was thinking about this, you know, it's baby steps, right? You know, I think I mentioned this a few podcasts ago about the time that major league baseball tra- changed the strike zone at the beginning of the season, the strikes mm-hmm. were being called different. It slowly yeah. morphed back into what it was. I think that with the physicality in the NBA, they started off the preseason and the regular season calling less fouls and allowing more physicality. Obviously, as time has gone on, it feels like the ticky-tackiness is back. My hope is in the long term, over the next two or three seasons, because they will revisit this in the offseason, as well as hopefully stop the breakaway foul and just turn that into a technical foul like they do in international play. But my guess is they'll revisit this in the offseason and there'll be some conversation about, hey, we, we were so close. We were allowing physicality. And then about two-thirds of the way through the season, a lot of that physicality went on, out the door. Hey, referees, we need you to do it all year long. But I agree with yeah. you. I definitely think that a lot more ticky-tackiness uh, has occurred. And I'll tell you, if you're a fan of Eastern Conference basketball and you watch the Sixers and they've got Joel Embiid and James Harden, you want to talk about a team that lives at the line? Yeah. Dude, that is unconsumable basketball. It's frustrating to watch because they just there's no rhythm to it. What makes the Phoenix Suns such a beautiful team to watch, especially right now, as I mentioned, you know, how many total assists did they have? 32 on 40 makes or whatnot. That's basketball. That's beauty basketball. It's moving it around. It's sharing the ball. It's the art and poetry that is basketball. And then you have the Philadelphia 76ers and those teams that like to slow it down by trying to live at the line. And that's like a haiku. It just doesn't make any sense. 
No, and honestly, that's the Suns 31 attempts tonight. Yeah, 31 attempts from the free throw line, which is a lot for them. They don't yes. ever try to get to the line. They don't. If they're playing a sucky team like tonight where a team's out of place defensively and stuff, they can take advantage of that, then yeah. And, I, I, you know, I'm glad that they're not the Joel B and Harden. But when there's games like the last two where it's like, hey, if you get to the free throw line, it might help you guys out. Mm-hmm. Then that's when it's crucial. I don't want it to be a thing where it is like Harden and Embiid but they need to have some kind of balance. And I think maybe they do have it. And I never really talk about the free throw shooting, but I don't really want to kind of, I don't want it to come and bite them in the ass leading to the playoffs where, you know, DA can't draw the fouls, you know, the the big man down low just can't do it. Mm -hmm. And that might be a thing. Chris Paul can't, I mean, he can do the swipe, the rip through, but getting to the line, getting to the rim, he can't really do it. Booker is okay at it, but we just don't have the player that can just get us the line. And sometimes I kind of want that. Just the way the NBA is coming back to just calling everything now. It's like now I kind of want that. Yeah, exactly. If they're starting to call things again, all of a sudden you're seeing a reemergence of Trey Young. And James Harden's a whole nother case. But again, to your point, Luka Doncic. You know, I watched that game last night against the Lakers, the Mavericks and the Lakers game. Of course. I'm sitting in a hotel room. I got shit to do. (laughs) I watched the first half and I watched the last five minutes because I woke back up. The last five minutes were great. It was a great, it was a great performance by Luca. I will tip my cap to him. He played fantastic. I hate, of course, I hate Luca, but last night I was like, holy fuck. In the first quarter, I'm like, this guy is just, I'm about to say, he is amazing to watch. He's a great sometimes. It's just like I know, but but then if when he's, he's like not pouting, stuff, yes, exactly when he's not exactly. pouty and stuff, it's terrible to watch. But when he's that way and they're winning, he is a fun, like one of the top. Of course, he's one of the top players to watch, but mm-hmm. he is. And we all hate Luka. I hate the Mavericks, of course. But we have to admit, dude. And I said even in our our predictions going into the playoffs, I think this is going to be a tough team that's going to be tough to get out. But whatever. What were we going to say about the game? Well, I was just going to say, uh, you noticed that Luca was getting to the line in the middle part of that game. It stopped happening at the end of the game, uh, even to the point where Luca juked the shit out of LeBron, went <laughs> yeah. went right. LeBron was standing right there and should have been a foul on him. And they didn't call it. Luca navigated around him and hit a floater that ultimately kind of sealed the deal against the Lakers, which I just I love seeing the Lakers lose. But again, yeah. but again, <laughs> seeing uh, that physicality, you're right. We don't have that guy who necessarily can get us to the line anytime we need because you need those free points free points free trips to the line are great in the playoffs so we'll see obviously the suns did a good job of doing it last year uh we'll see how that is moving forward this year especially come playoff time uh our good buddy coach evan b from the he's on fire podcast actually dm'd me a question that i wanted to ask you on the podcast matthew because we were going back and forth talking about frank and tory craig and whatnot and he asked me this Fully healthy. Are you playing Frank Kaminsky or Tory Craig? Well, right now, don't look this. Don't look at the sticks box scores because that'll give yeah. you the answer right there, right? <laughs> don't look at sticks and what he's doing with that team over in Indianapolis because what do you have, that team is that team is whatever. Bench. Yeah, but that team, it's just it's it's whatever. He's gonna get a lot of minutes. A lot of teams won't respect anything he's doing. Anybody that came to play the Suns, but even then, like. Sticks was tearing up. I don't really want to think about that. Deuce needs to get it together, and he probably will. He's a guy that's, you know, the really good role player we need to fill in the, the little cracks here and there, do whatever the hell he does out there to help the team win. And it's just not really there. He was throwing some terrible passes tonight, but I would choose right now. This is tough. I guess I would go with Frank, but I don't know. I mean, I'd give Juice a few more games, man. 
100%. It didn't take me any time to answer that question to Coach Evan B. I said juice. Good. And I love Frank. I do. I'm just like every other, yeah. you know, warm-blooded Phoenix Suns fan. I like Frank. But Torrey Craig, in my opinion, provides us more offensive and defensive versatility. And it's only been six games with Torrey Craig. Okay, tonight was seven. And he was three for eight from the field. He was two for six from beyond the arc. Five for six from the free throw line. And he had four rebounds and one assist in the 23 minutes that he played. I like Frank what he I, and the energy that he brings to the team. But as we head toward the playoffs, I want to go for the guy who I know is not a turnstile on defense. I'm not saying Torrey Craig's a shutdown defender, but I am saying he is a much better defender than Frank Kaminsky in my humble and personal opinion. He has lateral quickness that is far superior than Frank Kaminsky. And again, they play two different positions. So if you were to say, okay, Frank Kaminsky or Torrey Craig at the four, it's not even a question. Now, if we're saying let's play a small ball lineup with Torrey Craig or have Frank Kaminsky at the five, I might lean towards Frank. So it's all situational based. But again, a good question by Coach Evan B. Uh, and thank you for sending to that that to us via Twitter. You can do that. Slide into our DMs, DMs if you will, at Suns Jam on Twitter. We'll bring up good questions, and I, I really appreciate that question from Coach Evan B. Jam start time. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, it's a reminder to like, subscribe, rate, and review, and uh, twist your nipples. Dang it. Flip your, flip your nipples. <laughs> I mean, you were drinking water right there. I was trying to get you to laugh and do a little giggle, oh, maybe, maybe inhale some, mm, and I missed. My nipples uh, aren't that sensitive. So. Damn it. Damn it. Well, Matthew, I'll let you go first on this one. Who are you distributing the hardware to, the jam star of the game, for a 30-point victory over the Portland Trailblazers? Cameron Johnson, for Whoa. sure, man. I completely Absolutely. agree. Absolutely. Like, come on. <laughs> come yeah, on. The step back three. Crazy Dude. Luigi says, I think either Aiton or one of the two cams. Uh, Fabio gives it to campaign and sideways gives it to the twins, uh, which no. is a damn good answer. But I'm definitely giving this one to Cam Johnson. Yeah. He was called into duty early due to Landry Shamit's fuckery and ultimately uh, scored the most points in the game for the team. That's a dub. Mario Lopez. Al McCoy, great Al call. McCoy. Yep, great call. Yeah, very nice call. Um, and then uh, Rag MMA gives it to DA. So you know, again, a little bit all over the board. But anytime you win by thirty points, uh, you're probably going to have a bunch of different guys you can give that to. And you know what? That's that's a good thing. Next up for the Phoenix Suns, they are playing the New York Knickerbockers. In Phoenix. is that one? It's in Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. It's so there. okay. That makes sense. Like it's a seven o'clock start. That's a late start back east. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about the Knicks. Tell, tell me what you're looking for as oh. we as we play this game, the future home of Zion Williamson. <laughs> yeah, it, it is going to be. Um, I think even Flex said that the last time he was on the pod, he talked about him going there. Um, well, come on, the Knicks. I mean, I was actually watching the, the last Knicks. night against the Sixers. 
Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, it's today. Playing, it's today. Oh, they played right before the sun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, oh, I gotta. Yo, uh, what's the Knicks? Come on, the Knicks, dude. I mean, let's go. You know, you got, you got, um, you got freaking uh, Julius Randle. He's your number one guy, right? I mean, that's probably why you're ten games below five hundred. Um, I don't, you know, not a whole lot to say about this Knicks team. I, I, I really don't have a whole lot to say, honestly, because well, I was excited for them this year. I mean, I'm sure you got your matchups and what you want to see more dominance from DA or some dominance from DA. Some dominance would be fantastic. I mean, this is a team that has lost six in a row. When I utilized the word discombobulation earlier in the podcast, I think that personifies the New yes. York Knicks, uh, a team that's cratering there now. 25 and 37 they are 12th in the eastern conference last in the their division and not not really looking good you know i think it really comes down to the fact that uh from a defensive standpoint you know they 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 can play defense but their offense just doesn't execute on the other side of the court yeah. And it, it will be interesting, again, seeing how the Phoenix Suns most likely, I mean, not most likely, they will be without Devin Booker and CP3. We will see the same lineup. And, and tonight, this is a team that looked crisp. But this is a team that played a very, very shitty defense. When we did the preview for the Portland game, I, I mentioned that. The defensive rating, last in the league or close to it. Opposing points per game, last in the league or close to it. That's not the same case when it comes to the New York Knicks. They allow 107 points per game, which is eighth in the league, and their defensive ratings right in the middle at 16th out of the 30 teams in the NBA. It's their offense that scores the 27th most points, and it's their offense that's the 24th out of 30 on an offensive rating that is the challenge for them. So it'll be interesting to see if the Suns can break through their defense and ultimately outscore them because if they play solid defense, it could lead to easy offensive opportunities, knowing that we don't have the likes of Devin Booker out there to, as a sharpshooter, knowing that we don't have the likes of Chris Paul to navigate this team through any potential clutch time moments. All that being said, do I think the Phoenix Suns win this game? I, I do. I think that they moved to 51 and 12 on the season uh, prior to that Milwaukee game on Sunday, which if there's no Devin Booker, we don't stand a chance in that game. In my humble opinion, uh, you just chalk that one up for, you know, scheduled loss, if you will, you know, because the NBA is against us and want Dev Booker to get COVID. Uh, but you believe that the Phoenix Suns win this game against the Knicks or is it going to be a little bit, is it going to be a tough game? You know, I think it'd be tough. I think it will um, towards the fourth. I don't think it'd be like this uh, where rag mm -hmm. MMA says DA is going for 30 and 17 and won't play in the fourth. I hope you're yeah. right. God, you know, can't DA we can have do one that of those? any goddamn game he wants, and he's not going to start doing it now. Um, he, <laughs> he'll never do that. Are you crazy? Uh, he won't. Funny because it's um, true. But this, you know, I think the Suns, they win. I think it'll be a little bit more difficult. Um, but the thing is, the Knicks are high-tempered, dude. They, they are. So I think if the Suns can really get out to some runs, they can fall apart mm -hmm. easily. So it can go either way, but I'm predicting a Suns win. Yeah, the, the key is get under their skin. Show that coach Tom Thibodeau who the real coach of the year is, and yeah. let, the, let the Suns roll, baby. Let the Suns roll. I mean, this is game two for the Knicks on a seven game road trip. But as we know, the Phoenix Suns have the best record in the NBA, and everybody wants a shot at them. So we'll see come Friday night. Uh, Matthew, do you have anything else you want to discuss before we go ahead and 
bounce. Let me go through my notes. Let me scroll. That, all the that way should up. be a segment. It is. I'm trying to make it into one. You, yeah, you should, you should make a segment. Let me like go through my the, notes. You hit the drops, and she should let me go uh, through my notes. You know what's crazy? It's like I always think I'm like we're never going to get through all these notes, but then we you, we we think alike, dude. Well, there's only there's only so much you can talk about in one game for one hour. So you know what I mean? We hit on the same stuff always. Yeah, well, we're so watching no, the same game. Notes. So, well, on that note, Jamsters, again, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to watch this after the Suns game. Or if you're watching this, well, it's always going to be after the Suns game because today's game will forever be in the past. Uh, but whether you're watching along live or you're watching this later, please hit that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up button. That's the big one that I really appreciate. And if you're listening, subscribe, rate, and review, and all that fun stuff as well. Uh, and if you don't, fuck you, okay? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we appreciate you guys. It's it's always yeah, fun coming on here. Uh, you know, again, one of the things I was talking about with my dad is just how fun this team is. And he and my dad just he he said it after I told him. Right, he he called me with like a minute left. He goes, "So what's the score?" I'm like, "Dad, they're up 30." He goes, "They don't have C. Paul and Devin Booker, mm-hmm. and they're up 30." I go, "Yeah, Dad." He goes. That's a championship team, John. I'm like, Dad, stop. <laughs> Daddy, stop. Don't say you. it. Don't say it. Don't say it. So we'll see. But uh, but again, thanks for joining us for another edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. Please follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Matthew Twitter. Matthew and Matthew. Let's see. And we'll see you come Friday evening following the Phoenix Suns and the New York Knickerbockers. Go home and love John's daddy. What do you mean? (laughs) 